Well, hello there. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Cosmic Coffee Shop. I hope you're having just a marvelous day. Just the best day that you've had in a while. Oh, the best possible. Like, I hope that today, not just because a new episode of Cosmic Coffee Shop has come out, but like partly because a new episode of Cosmic Coffee Shop has come out. I hope it helps. And and I hope I hope that today has been the best day. And I hope that tomorrow you look back on today and you go, man, today does not even compare because tomorrow is like the best day ever. <laughs> you just like increasingly get, get better until you become God. Oh, wow. Whoa. <laughs> Cody and I are in the third week of school and I am sleep deprived. I'm losing it, man. I'm losing it. It's been, I mean, like, here's the thing. I've been getting my work done and stuff, but I've been really, I've got to stop procrastinating. It's bad. I, what's, you know, what's worse than procrastinating? What's that? Not procrastinating and still getting behind. I, I have not procrastinated. Mm-hmm. at all i have this like immaculate excel sheet that has every assignment i have due um and there's just not always time in a day and i still am not ahead of work which is driving me up the wall i mean you know they do make the work so you are doing it as it comes out so i mean it's hard to get ahead yeah but like i eh, eh, i thought i thought i could do it or at least like at least get enough ahead that i wasn't doing anything like and going oh my god this is due in four or five hours mm-hmm. and like just like having things like just like a couple of hours ahead even would be would be big so, and it's just like not it's not there it's not happening that's where procrastination comes in handy you see i heard this wise quote once and i'm not sure exactly where i heard it could have been a tv show could have been a human being i don't know but uh what's the difference <laughs> what's the difference at this point nothing um but no 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 it said that uh if you leave yourself 30 minutes to do the work then the work only takes 30 minutes and I have found that that is so true. It's not a smart idea by any means, and I'm not endorsing procrastination, but it gets it done. I will say, if you're um, if you're gonna procrastinate, you have to hack it, where mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. have a big assignment that's due, you know, a while out, and then a bunch of little assignments or, or little things at work that that are due soon, and then you go, oh well, I'll procrastinate that big thing by doing these little things, and eventually. Everything will kind of get done, but you will be incredibly stressed. Yeah, it is a bit stressful, but I will say uh, that gives you a bit of a a kick, you know? Like, here's how Sam Heath and uh, Max describe it. Uh, Mm -hmm. They say procrastination is like getting your homework done speedrunner style. And that... (laughs) Like that's why speedrunners run games so fast because there's a bit of a thrill in that. And so I if, get... if you don't know what speedrunning is, it's where you basically figure out how to get through a video game level as fast as possible. And there's like competitions of trying to get through these levels as fast as possible. So just speedrun your way through college and it'll be exciting for in fact, sure. Speedrun your way through life. It'll be so exciting and then bloop. <laughs> <laughs> terrible analogy um yeah i th- this was the year that i was like i'm gonna get everything like really organized and it's all gonna be together and like it's organized and it's together mm-hmm. am i organized and together no i am not no, no. but the, my journal is and, and my <laughs> excel sheet is um will i remember to check the excel sheet no because that's on me and i i cannot set too many reminders on my phone um but so that's like, that's kind of the long and short of it on paper you've got it all together and that's what matters yes yes I, I'm, I've only, it's the third week of school. I've only had one assignment be late and it was only late by a few hours. Um, and that was genuinely because I just wrote down Wednesday instead of Monday, um, which happens to me way too frequently. And it drives me crazy. I just don't know which day of the week goes when. 
Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm bad at that. In fact, some days I'll wake up and just not know what day it is until like halfway through my first class. I, I was at work on Monday and I was like, oh yeah, it's you know, it, it's been a long week. My boss is like, Georgia, it's 11 a.m. on a Monday, and I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> oh yes, good, <laughs> good to know. I've got to go through more of this. Yeah, excellent news. I was aware of that. <laughs> Let's be honest. For a college student, weekends aren't really weekends. Weekends are like work oh, no. days and school mm-hmm. days. That's how yeah. it goes. I, I tried. I was like, I was like, I'm gonna observe the Sabbath. Like last year, I was like, I'm gonna observe the Sabbath <laughs> and not do homework on one day. Um, I I understand why not a lot of people observe the sabbath um not because it wasn't lovely to not do work it's because uh i did not get enough done ahead of time and so it was very stressful to observe the sabbath but i'd I'd like it to be something i build up to yeah same i can't wait until i can just completely take sundays off rest is important if i'm ever doing this full-time or any kind of artistic career like Mm -hmm. i will definitely make it a priority because sundays are my day in fact i named my new car Still in the shop, but I named my new car Sunday just because it's my favorite day and like, yeah, always good vibes, even when it's not good vibes. Somehow it is. My favorite day is Wednesday for mm. with no explanation. Interesting. It's it's rarely a free day or a calm day. <laughs> I just like that it's in the middle because it's symmetrical. That's fair. No, I, I get that. I think the only reason I really love Sunday so much is because I feel like I took Sundays back. Yeah, reclaim the Sunday. <laughs> yeah. No, I like I feel bad saying it because it's not like a bad thing to go to church or anything if that's your thing. Mm-hmm. But like growing up, I went to church every Sunday, twice. Yeah. And then on Wednesdays, which I also enjoy Wednesdays. But now I sleep in on Sundays and I'm like, wow, <laughs> oh, this is what God meant. This is what God wanted us to do. <laughs> rest rest on sunday I, I think picking like one day that you genuinely go like it doesn't have to be a sunday but just right. any day where you're like this is the day where i'm going to kick back and not do a lot of work i think that's important and it's mm-hmm. definitely good for you absolutely um but Speak- but on, on the topics of, of, of our, our college education and our learning what have you learned this week dakota oh, okay so i learned this really fun fact um of this avant-garde composer uh Ooh. born in i believe 1912 and died in 1992 if i'm right there yes yes i am uh his name yeah yeah hot 80 years his name was john cage uh and he wrote a musical piece that is Mm -hmm. just incredible it will never be played to completion at least not by the same orchestra because it is meant to be played as slow as humanly possible and it is supposed to take 639 years to complete. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? Huh. That's... Why did he write this? Okay, look, I don't know. I don't know why. I just knew that it was a fact. And I think that's just incredible. Because, like, if you have that musical ability, if you have the ability to make something so amazing, mm. like, why wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? If you could write something that you were like, okay... Maybe it's like 70 or 80 sheets long of music or whatever, Mm -hmm. but they're each supposed to be played so slow, each note. I think my question is, how do you know what the slowest possible is? Like, if you're playing, you know, a wind instrument, for example, like you have to have the breath support to make it through a long phrase, I'm assuming, Mm -hmm. unless everything's like one separate note. Um, So not everybody 
would have the same version of as long as he uh, of as slow as humanly possible. Right. No, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, honestly, we don't know that it would for sure take six hundred and thirty nine years, but that's mm-hmm. just estimated because, of course, no one's ever played it all the way through. In fact, how much has been played? I let's see. I don't know because again, he died in nineteen ninety two. So mm-hmm. even if they had started when he was born... And instruments born, weren't invented in 1992. I know. They weren't invented until the 2000s <laughs> when we were born. Like when everything else good was invented. Duh. Right? Right? That's how that works, right? The world wasn't relevant until we came around, right? Right? I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, me too. Me too. But like, yeah, I, I just think that's incredible to write mm-hmm. a piece that would literally outlive everyone who ever tried to play it. That is, that is kind of fascinating. It's kind of like an, an immortal piece of music. Yeah, it's just the ultimate, like, <laughs> fuck you, you can't do this. <laughs> like That's intriguing. I know. I'm thinking of, like, ways you could hack this. You could separate it up into individual pieces and have mm-hmm. those pieces played at the same time by different orchestras all around the world. Yes. And have the whole thing compressed into, like, Ooh. a layering piece of music. That'd be incredible. That Whoa. could be fun. I, and then I, you could, then you know what you could do? Hmm. You could record them and add them end to end oh, to make a recording of it. Edit it together, and then, and you could speed it up. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like so you have to hear it. What do you think? If if we if we were able to do that, right? You compile it all, then you speed mm-hmm. it up. Do you think there's a message hidden in there? Do you think there's something he was trying to get across? <laughs> He's just. Do you guys really have nothing better to do than play 600 years of music? And that's it. That's the whole symphony. Wow. End of symphony. Magical. His, his dying wish is to just troll everybody. It's just, it just, you, you play it. And before this song even came out, he just fucking Rick rolls you with like never gonna give you up you speed it up it is in fact never gonna give you up he gave it to rick astley uh, in the 80s <laughs> what a funny concept oh my gosh right? that's bizarre it's i do love hear, uh hearing about avant-garde work there's a, a, a um it's, it's cool um choreographer that i like who um whose name is of course not in my head at the moment i'll uh. figure it out um <laughs> but he did a, a piece about like um the passage of time or something and the critics were like this is stupid and it's boring and like who wants to go and watch somebody just like basically do nothing on stage so he hypes up his next project and he's like it's big it's the biggest thing ever like you you gotta watch it and it's four minutes of him standing there and doing absolutely nothing oh that's so good um and it is probably my favorite like favorite like dance troll of all time is just yeah. him i think his name is paul something newman no 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 <laughs> But I'll let you know what it is. <laughs> you know, that I, I, I want to hear your thing that you learned this week, but I will say that is mm-hmm. my new dream, to become so good at something that I can then just troll the world with it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Delightful. So, Georgia, what did you learn this week? You guys will not believe this, um, but I've, I've learned another- I believe it. I've learned another fact about color. Um this is like the fifth episode that I've been like, it's a color fact. I you're, love colors. You're fucking lying. <laughs> no, it's another color fact. Uh, have you ever heard of Baker Miller Pink? I've, I've not. Okay, what so Baker Miller Pink is otherwise known as Drunk Tank Pink, um, which is fascinating. <laughs> so basically, the milita- the American military did, did a study on this color because they learned that being surrounded by it reduced a man's strength by about 30%. And heavily reduced their violent and erratic behavior. Um, 
And so after releasing the study, they're, they're like, this color of pink makes people less violent. Uh, local jails would paint their uh, quote-unquote drunk tank, um, which was where they would corral all the town drunks who were, you know, exhibiting violent behavior, who were in, getting in rowdy. fights. Mm. Yeah, until they sobered up and could go out in the morning. Um, and so they would paint these drunk tanks pink, and they saw a significant drop in the amount of fights that would happen in jails in the... the um, uh, so the psychological impact of this was genuinely calming people down, which, as a person who hates pink, um, is astounding to me because when I look at this color, I become irrationally angry because yeah. I would not want to be surrounded by it. But then some other funny – speaking of, like, trolling people, mm-hmm. another funny usage of the drunk take pink color – was for uh, football teams in the NFL to paint the visiting team's locker room head to toe, drunk Whoa. tank pink, and so the NFL eventually had to had to ban this color. That's amazing. A color got banned because like like there's no way to know if it's effective, but it's very funny. They were just like, ah, just troll on, just paint the whole <laughs> locker room pink. Um, yeah. So so because uh, we know that like like a lot of colors have psychological impact. Like uh, blue will keep you awake for longer. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why, like, a lot of social media sites have blue in them. Uh, like, blue light keeps you up. Doesn't red... Not... It won't, like, enrage you, but it will get you more riled up. Yeah, red will get you, like, excited, I believe. One of the reasons that uh, red cars... If you have a red car, you have to pay more on insurance just because cops are more likely to pull you over. Weird. Wow, yeah. I did not know that. But, yeah, that's that's my uh, frequent color fact. There will be more because I, nothing gets me more excited <laughs> than learning... About a color. Thank God. Oh, I, oh, there's a... Uh, uh, <laughs> more, I, speaking more. about excited. There's a new color of blue. Wait, There's a new what? color of blue. They just have a new one? Here's an important thing to note. So, like, this color may have existed digitally because we have, like, the f- full spectrum of colors digitally, essentially. Mm-hmm. But blue is not a natural color. And so the colors of blue, the shades of blue, can only be... Besides the ones like blueberries and stuff, can only be produced through chemical process, and a new chemical process was re- was invented in the last like year Whoa. that has created a brand new color of blue, um, and it's like an incredibly bright like ultramarine. Look it up; it's super cool. That's so there's a new incredible. pigment, which is really cool for the painters because it's a paint color that didn't exist before. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Holy crap! I get very excited about a very normal thing. No, it's it's not even though it's like really extraordinary, and I cannot mm-hmm. wait to hear more. Absolutely. Um, speaking of more, we have more guests uh, coming up for you. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to jump in to our mm-hmm. episode with our friend Benjamin Riley. Whoop, whoop. All right. Woo-hoo. We'll see you in there. See ya. Well, hello there. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Cosmic Coffee Shop. Indeed, indeed. I, I have neither neither coffee nor tea nor drink to speak of because i downed a mini pepsi in one sip and i have neither coffee nor shop i you know it's <laughs> it doesn't you have work nothing in your hand i have nothing i have well you know i actually do have this dongle uh in my hands i have a dongle in my hands isn't that a fun a thing phone to say? adapter to be yes. very clear <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I was going to say we're here today with Benjamin Riley, but I see that he's just gotten up and walked right away. Well, he's actually just So we haven't to guess. Our guest left. I'm so sorry about that. He was actually I believe his, it's because he does uh, have coffee or tea to speak of. In fact, he does. Ben, ben, tell us what you have here. I have tea. Excellent. <laughs> awesome. Tea, tea, tea is very underrated. He has I feel tea. like I feel like it's, 
it's good, you know? We should sell tea at the, at the coffee shop. Why don't we? We only sell coffee at the coffee shop, and it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> okay, so we're here today with our guest, Benjamin Riley. How you doing, Ben? You know, there's been better times and worse times, but I'm enjoying the time I'm in. Ooh. That's good. That's a good way to phrase That's that. That's good. You're in like that... Would you say that you're in like a medium time, or are you just like enjoying it i'm just in a time i feel that no no i feel that i it's better than being in a rough time or a bad time or a smooth time yeah oh yeah smooth times the worst time Mm -hmm. i find that the like the medium kind of passing phase can be the most enjoyable and, and satisfying and where you're kind of your best self where you can really enjoy what's good and be grateful for what's not bad at the moment absolutely yeah ben We've got we've got a few questions we like to ask people here on the show. And the first one is pretty simple, don't worry. Who are you? Ah, uh, who am I? Who are you? Not just the things that you attribute to yourself, the things you do, but yeah, deep down, who are you? I am a wandering soul trying to answer that question for myself. That's a totally valid answer. Whoa. Dude, I I feel that. It's it's always a process in finding out who you are, and honestly, it's one that I don't mm-hmm. think is complete until the end of your life. You you won't really know exactly who you are at any point because you're always changing. You know, you're yeah. always growing. Can I ask who you'd like to be? Who I'd like to be? It's it's such a difficult question because at any moment, who I'd like to be is someone different than myself. Mm. Even if I ever achieved that, it would still be different. That's true. Wow, no, that one hit my soul. I absolutely feel that. Like I said, it's a constant change and everything. But I always sit there and like idealize a better version of myself, which I think can be a good thing and also a bad thing if it goes too far. Like I mm. set goals and specific like things for myself to reach. But if I'm ever too obsessed with that, feeling as though I'm not good enough now, that's when it becomes a problem. Hmm. I think it, I think in a lot of ways, like, of course we can't form ourselves into, like, some mythical version of who we'd like to be. Right. But I think that, like, some of the things that I wanted to be when I was younger, I sort of flowed into, even if I wasn't actively trying. And I, I thought I was, I was like, oh, I'll never get to be, like, that self-assured or that, like, at home in myself. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of flowed into it with time. Um, and I don't know if that's so much, like, a, a change as it is a natural progression interesting i've often found that the person i want to be whenever i make an active effort to try to become that i cannot do it correctly um Um, so i end up becoming mm -hmm. something else so at this point i figure it's better to just sit back and let myself just free in the wind yeah you'll get where you want to go yeah no that is true that is true and that's something i struggle with (laughs) i i think we all do it sometimes yeah hmm well, well, Ben, who who were you as a kid? What was your childhood like? I feel like the easiest way to sum that up, uh, my parents always told me I was too dramatic in the home, which is why I first <laughs> was sent to take an acting class. Um, <laughs> kind of a way to release that so I would be calm at night. <laughs> Fair enough. And did, did it work? work? No. Um, it kind of just heightened... <laughs> the drama 
because now I was still the same amount of dramatic, uh-huh. but I suddenly had a way to express that right. in a much more dramatic fashion. In fact, I think you were encouraged to be it. more dramatic. Yeah. They, they were like, actually, you're good at this. Just keep it going. That's a parental backfire for you. Oh, for, for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So you've, st- you've stayed in theater. I did theater. I was in band in my middle school years which I dropped to do theater. Valid. No, I feel that. I, I used to play the trombone in middle school. No. Yeah, yeah. It was it was uh, me and, I don't know, just all the boys in the back with the trombones. It was a fun time. Do you, do you still play <laughs> the, the trombone? The boys in the back. I, I don't still play. In fact, I think... I don't think we sold my trombone. I think it might be in a box somewhere uh, in one of my parents' houses. But... I don't still play. And honestly, Ugh. I'd like to pick it back up. Like, just to have, you know? Because I think that'd be awesome. Because, like, I I do remember the positions and, like, the different notes and everything. They're still pretty mm-hmm. ingrained, which I'm kind of thankful for. Because, like, in my mind, playing a trombone now would be easier than playing the piano. Mm. You know? Wow. I did not know that about you, Dakota. Just for the listeners, about once a year, Cody tells me a large portion of his life that I never heard of. Like, last year, he just dropped in a conversation that he was a black belt in Taekwondo. And I had to call his mom to confirm it because I thought he was shitting me. And this is one of those uh, moments for me. Yeah, right? <laughs> Benjamin, do you have those those things from your life that you feel like other people don't know that you did or that you would like for them to know? Mm, I don't know. I feel as though I come off as a very mysterious and secluded person, but I don't know. I think I'm just a lot more simple than most people think I am. <laughs> I don't really hide anything. You know? that the is secret is, is lack of complexity. It's like, yeah. it, here in all my time knowing you, Ben, it is one of those things where it's like, you don't hide anything. And if anyone asks, of course, you'll answer honestly. But it's just like, I know there's so much in there that... You just, like, don't talk about, What was one of your most formative and favorite childhood memories? I did tell you the story. When when I was three, I I took a shit on the the stairs. That's the peak. That informed everything to follow. Well, I mean, to be fair, I, I don't quite remember the whole event. But from what my parents told me, I had gone missing... They couldn't find me when they found me. I was standing atop the stairs, 28 carpeted stairs. They tried their best to stop me, but before they could, I just squatted and shit on the stairs. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that yeah. kind of sums up who I am. You wow. Know? Yeah. Age age three onwards, just taking a shit on top of the stairs. And just like, yeah, that's it. I don't think I've shit on stairs since, if if that's a redeeming quality. I- Okay, I will I, say I think that is a that's a quality. pretty redeeming quality. Do you do you feel like there's there's other like moments from your childhood that it kind of informed like how you live life today, or is it all kind of a jumble that led you to where you are? Well, my parents are divorced. Mm-hmm. There are many child psychologists who say that that clearly had an impact on me. <laughs> it has an impact on many. And yeah. based on my past history of uh, lack of stable relationships, I could agree with those child psychologists. Uh. <laughs> when my parents got divorced, I was, they separated before I was out of the house, but I was heading to college soon. Mm. And so while it might not have had 
as much of a major effect on me. I do empathize and understand. Uh, I do feel bad. My brother was, wow, like 13 when that happened. So like right there in like the height of going through puberty and just all of these new emotions. So like, I want to know how did that affect you? Like, if you're okay with talking about of it, course. how did that affect you like emotionally and kind of change your perspective and outlook? Well, I was two years into high school. I had known that my parents had been fighting for uh, quite a while. When I was younger, I used to go to my sister and be like, hey, are mom and dad going to get divorced? And she'd be like, no, of course they're not going to get divorced. Um, so, yeah, it was my sophomore year in high school. I was 16. And then it was around the holidays. Um my parents, being the wonderful folks they are, decided that they didn't want to ruin the holidays for us uh, with a divorce announcement. So they waited till the day after Christmas to tell oh. us uh, that they were getting divorced. What poor timing. Right. I, I feel like, you know, I get it. If you don't want to, like, ruin the holidays, that's what my parents did. They they, 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 they argued that Christmas would have been a worse day to say it. I agree. Christmas would have been a worse day, but I, I feel like a little, little longer. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, maybe even New Year's. You know, New Year, New Me. That would work. But oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This... New Year, New Us. <laughs> separate. <laughs> well, no, then it wasn't. It wasn't ever a divorce paper situation. State of North Carolina have to stay separated mm-hmm, legally for, for a year, year before right. divorce, and then my parents just stayed that way. Oh, so interesting. Not legally divorced, but stayed separated. So. Mm-hmm. What a weird, fun mixture that is. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. No joke. So it happened on like, the day after Christmas. It did, yes. I sat there quietly while my sister went upstairs and cried. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it only just reinforced an image of uh, society at large that I'd already had. Uh, I just think that most people don't really have a good amount of common sense in them. I could, I could agree with that. And, and that's why I feel as though there's just so much pointless conflict in the world. Mm. There's so many conflicts where when you look at them and you're like, oh, but if you used a tiny bit of common sense, you both would be happy. But people don't like common sense. Right. I I think that we've been taught in a lot of situations that there has to be a winner or a loser. And so when it comes to like pointless conflict as a whole, the conflict isn't, is there a solution? It's can someone win? Mm. Yes. And like, like, I've even heard people talk about like, like, well, who won the breakup? And it's like, nobody. You're both sad, probably. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> there's there's not a lot of winning. No, for sure. Also, I don't think winning's all that fun, you know? That's yeah. fair. That's fair, because once you've won, you just kind of sit there and you're like, yeah, I did it. But Especially if you're winning, like, no. alone. Yeah. No, exactly. Benjamin, if you could change anything in America with zero consequence, what would you change? I would pay teachers correctly. Hmm. Yeah. I think fixing education is probably the quickest route to fixing anything else. I, I would agree I with think that. most things straight back to education, for sure. Um, I totally agree. Wow, that's just such an interesting answer, because it's like, it, it's not what I was expecting. And not that I was expecting anything bad or just, like, ludicrous or anything, but it's like... That being said, if I could have two changes with no <laughs> consequence, yes, education, second... I would change all of uh, Dunkin' Donuts into Bunkin' Donuts. <laughs> okay, yes, yes. But they would not sell donuts. What would they sell? Bagels. I'm on board with this change. Iced bagels. Wow. Ooh. Bagels sent under an icing waterfall 
Now, Benjamin, I must say, I have been to Dunkin' Donuts, and I believe that's what they already sell. <laughs> I was about to because say. Because I've had one of those donuts, and they are dense. You, mean, you mean they... <laughs> Dunkin'... Dunkin' Donuts sells iced bagels? Essentially. Have you had one, man? No, I haven't been to Dunkin' Donuts in quite a... They sell iced bagels? It's not, like, really no, no, iced no. bagels, <laughs> but, like, the the way their donuts are made. Like, Well, I know their donuts are, like, you know, they're thicker, they're cakier, you know, but I'm yeah. talking about, like, go get yourself a bagel. Mm-hmm. You and know, like, under, like, like one that days. you could knock on a table and you're like, ooh, <laughs> that's a hard outer crust. I'm on board with this change. Since I am a teacher, with my higher teacher salary, I would definitely love to go buy some Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> so I think that's, I mean, next president, like, sounds good to yeah, me. Yeah. Just go for it. Ben, are, are you considering running for president? No. <laughs> <laughs> good answer. Speaking of, what do you want to do with your life? I want to create art until the day I die. Awesome. Big vibes. Wow. What any kind of art specifically yeah. or just anything? No. Just anything? Art is too vast a field to limit myself to one area of study. Valid. Because I could spend my entire life trying to become very good at that area of study, but I don't have faith in myself to become a master. I'd rather just enjoy doing everything I enjoy doing. That's cool. Do you have a personal definition of art? Art is anything that man creates that evokes emotion. Mm. That's, a, good That's a really good answer. It doesn't have to be any type of emotion. No positive, no negative. Any emotion evoked is art in a sense. You look yeah. at a horror film, its whole deal is trying to make you feel horrible. And if it succeeds, then it's very good art. <laughs> That's a fair point. Because wow. most people don't like feeling horrible. <laughs> That's true. Do you find that a horror movie brings you joy or does it bring you the emotion that the characters are feeling? It really depends on the movie because there are some really bad horror movies yes. that like bring this me immense joy. Benjamin, are you a skeptic or superstitious? I'd have to say a combination of both. My personal beliefs on it are a weird amalgamation of just what I've decided to believe, mm-hmm. n- not following any one track or the other. Like ghosts, mm. demons... Uh, there's a I feel as though there's a good possibility mainly because there's some kind of dark presence that lives in the woods behind my house um, <laughs> oh absolutely those woods are creepy they also, are really creepy yeah I have seen a ghost before wait too. please please <laughs> share horrifying experience uh, when I was younger I went with my mother on a ghost tour through some catacombs I think Whoa. in the Pacific Northwest and the tour group had been moving ahead through this place um, and I stopped to tie my shoe this is a real story. I know it sounds super bullshit, but I stopped to tie my shoe and I heard like the barest whisper of a voice behind me going like, excuse me, sir. And I like turned around and there was this little girl in like a white, what do you call it? Like a sundress. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh shit, you were not there before. I, you know, my first thought is, did she run ahead of the tour group behind us? Um, oh my god I was like huh and then my mom had come back to come get me and, and she was like Ben and I was like what and I looked again and fucking nothing there whoa here's a, here's a, my big question for both of you guys oh. do you think that hallucinations if that's what you want to call them are always 
a benign scientific element of life or can a hallucination be caused by a spiritual force? <laughs> I think you know my opinion on this question. Absolutely. I, I totally mm-hmm. believe hallucinations can be like spiritually. I kind of completely disagree in a sense. Uh, yeah, cool. cool. I, I don't find hallucinations to be anything of an external kind. I feel as though if one is going to hallucinate, it is going to be a reflection of what you're already thinking of inside. It'll be more of a reflection mm. of you than anything else. Would you say like a, a reflection of like your subconscious? Maybe. The whole idea of a subconscious is still very debated. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. No one knows for sure. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, people feel it. Yeah. It's one of those things, like like with my beliefs in like higher dimensions and or like a soul of some sort. I, be- I believe that there's something more there. And like... Every culture in the world that evolved separately on its own has spiritual beliefs and something mm. to do with, like, the soul. That's actually not true. Not all of them? Please, I learned please. this from my professor just, like, a few weeks ago. I haven't read the full articles yet, uh-huh. but we have recently in the last few years found evidence of multiple small cultures yeah. that evolved together, grew and had society, completely independent and without religion or spiritual belief. Oh, that's so I don't cool. have, like, all the facts, but right. I'll, I'll bring it for next week's, um, what I learned this week. Absolutely. But I just wanted to, like, pop that in there, because there are, I mean, I, you know, you guys know I'm religious, yeah. but I, and so I believe that spirituality has a place and that it is, it can be good, but I have also, in my life, observed it being abused, and I've seen organized religion Absolutely. being abused mm. to control people. Oh, yeah. And so it was interesting to me to hear that this lifelong defense of well everybody's always had spirituality and then to find like historically there's evidence that not everyone has and that's that's also a validated element of history that i'd like to dive more into cool cool. carrying on i would love to dive more into that oh i'm so i'm so sorry that's like the coolest thing ever knowing that there were nihilistic Mm. tribes essentially (laughs) yeah we, oh, definitely. It's yeah. such a fulfilling thought. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> I will I will send you guys the articles for sure. Yeah. Are you religious or spiritual in any way, Benjamin? I would not call myself religious in any of the fashion. Spiritual, maybe. On a baseline level, I believe in evolution, uh, mm-hmm. but find it hard to believe that life clicks randomly. Mm, it's valid. oh so complicated. <laughs> it, yeah. I, I definitely live in the middle ground of, I, I don't believe in macroevolution, but I do believe in microevolution. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when I say I don't believe in macroevolution, I'm not sure I believe in the Big Bang single-cell organisms turn into man. Right. I believe that there's divine intervention in some of those big steps, mm-hmm. but I don't believe that what we are was created at the time of, like, Adam and Eve. I don't prescribe to that in any way. If you sit there and take all the stories in the Bible as, like, parables or, like, different ways to explain things to, like, our small monkey brains, cool. I, I can, like, I get that. But if you're sitting there taking it as, like, literal fact, if we all came from two people, we would be, like, inbred as fuck, and it would not be good. <laughs> Don't you feel as though humans could be the most inbred species, though? I feel as though, as a whole, humans are just such an ugly species. <laughs> i would i would bring up the point that like most animals yeah inbreed Mm -hmm. Mm. like they stay they don't they don't go like oh i was born in this pack of wolves better go to the neighboring pack of wolves so that we have a new lineage no more like they they fuck their siblings yeah oh god that's so uncomfy 
I, I do believe in evolution. Uh, like, microevolution for sure. But I think, like, you know how the universe is eventually just going to collapse in on itself and die of heat death? Yeah. Yeah, I know it's depressing. I mean, it would just make so much sense if, like, all of that happens. It shrinks back down, goes into heat death, and then, boom, big bang again. It just continue continues. Just like yeah. we re- reincarnate, cool. so does the universe. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's just like an endless cycle of change. That's all we know. That's all we know to be true. That's why that's why afterlifes bugged me in religion. Like when I heard about mm. eternity in like heaven, that was also concerning to me. While it was better than eternity in hell, it bothered me because it was like an unchanging an land. An unchanging land. That's always perfect, sure. But the way that we work, whether you were sent to heaven or hell for eternity, eventually you would return to your baseline level of happiness. That's what happens with us mm. in real life. They um, did a study on like people who had been in like tragic accidents and like had harder things happen in their life versus people who were like very successful in their business and made a lot of money. Both of those people came back to that same baseline level of happiness. And that's what we as humans mm. do. And so yeah. eventually it would, I, I was at least scared because I was like, we'd well, get bored. We would do all the things and then we'd just be there. This is a question for both of you guys. If if you were to say that you thought heaven was real, mm-hmm. do you think that heaven would be a place where we, as human beings, would go and exist almost as if we'd just gone to a new earthly location? Or do you think it would be so different spiritually that we would not have concepts of things like time or needs or boredom? For for it to work and actually be heaven, it would have to be the second option. The mm-hmm. the first option, like that's, and that's what I was kind of taught in church. We'd have new bodies and like be in heaven with God and everything. But it was still that idea of like, we'd have new bodies. We would be alive and living there uh, versus being tortured forever in our regular bodies, I guess, in hell. I personally don't believe in hell because it makes not a lot of sense for me. Benjamin, what do you what do you think happens when we die? When we die? Yeah. I don't know. All right. My whole my whole philosophy is I'm not going to ever know until it happens. So I'm not going to worry about it until it happens. That's honestly like such a that's such a laid back and good way to view it and I wish I could. <laughs> if I, I had to speculate uh, I'd believe in some form of reincarnation, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although I wouldn't necessarily say that your consciousness goes with that. Interesting. I think that... I do think your essence, the thing that makes you you, the thing that we can't answer because it's like a subconscious part of us, I think that goes mm-hmm. on. And I think that is changed by our lives here on Earth. And, and like, so we do take a part of it with us, but I don't think it's like we are the exact same person we are right now. I think just like our essence continues yeah. to go on. So, yeah, that's, I agree with that. that's that seems cool. I was wondering if we could uh, talk about something a little more uh, in the moment. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Just because I, I had mentioned to Cody the other day a, a theory I have on emotion. Because when it comes down to it, I am fascinated by emotion. It is such a living component of our you know of humanity yeah yeah it's kind of an important part of it yeah after death i feel as though emotion is meaningless therefore it's very enjoyable to experience all walks of it Mm -hmm. while alive Mm. 
But I think on a baseline mm-hmm. level, you can break down emotion into only two basically primal emotions, pain mm-hmm. and laughter. Please explain. Well, I, I feel as though in, in any moment, your emotion is either on a positive or a negative side of this spectrum. You know, present pain becomes future laughter. I don't know if you ever look back on bad times and just think fondly of the fact that you're either not in them or you laugh at them or you're just relieved to get away. Some variation mm-hmm. of that laughter, that gun-wrenching just kick of good. I, I will say that is, I can definitely look back. There's still hard times that I look back on and I'm like, no, those were hard. But a lot of the times... Is there a sense of relief that you're not in those times? Absolutely. Variation Absolutely. of laughter is what I would say. Yeah, I'd, I'd say... Do you yeah. consider pain and laughter to be a reaction to an emotion or the emotion itself? The emotion itself. A reaction to an emotion, I would say, is more like fear. Fear doesn't feel like a real emotion to me. It seems like preparation of pain or, oh. or anticipation of a bad time. Hmm. That and makes sense. When that, I like, look at it that way, I can tell myself, well, why prepare for it? You can't determine the outcome necessarily. So fear then is not really a thing that you have to feel unless you want to. That being said, you know, good times, any good moments can become future bad moments. But you can't have one without the other. There's no way to experience them alone. I don't know that I agree that pain is an emotion pain is something you feel it is a feeling so you separate emotion and feeling in a sense i i would separate pain and laughter as results of an emotion mm-hmm. i f- am sad it just calls me emotional pain i am angry and i hit something i've called myself physical pain i feel joy and therefore i laugh it's a reaction to the emotion that i'm feeling because hmm. I, I have such a diverse range of, of emotions i think everyone does if i were to describe my feelings about emotion i feel like it's more like a like a um, bullseye everybody mm-hmm. has their their middle their their um their their core emotion ah. um and what i found for most people that i've that i've met um specifically like neurotypical people is that their core emotions are happy sad mm-hmm. um and, and mine is angry angry <laughs> joy those are yeah. my two. Um, we're getting into like inside out terms now. All right. <laughs> yeah. So so when I become, when I feel pain or like if I um, have something happen to me that is unpleasant, my first reaction is, is rarely to cry. It is usually to yell. Mm. And so that is how I, I see my emotional state to be different from other people because it's not like, oh, I'm covering my sadness with anger. The first thing I feel is angry, and then later I might become sad that I was angry, or right. uh, become melancholy that I was joyful and don't feel that anymore. Mm-hmm. And laughter and pain are reactions within that, for me personally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, that's also, a lot of people can break down how they view the world into duality, into two mm-hmm. specific things. But it is different for each person. Yes. I, yeah. I think, for me anyway, like love and fear can kind of encapsulate all of those things. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, as famous uh, late great Yoda once said, uh, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. Not not sitting there saying that, like, those are the coarse bad emotions or anything. But I feel like fear brings out a bunch of, like, the negative sides of society and people. Because if you if you're angry about something, well, why are you angry? You know, is it 
just your immediate reaction or is there something that scares you a little bit is it that you're afraid of like being hurt and therefore you respond with anger so you can hurt the other person before they hurt you or i don't know it it breaks down to a lot of different things like that and same goes for love cody it seems like you might be a person that has what i like to call common sense Um, (laughs) thank you i you know what here's the funny thing i don't get that a lot (laughs) but from what you just said it seems like you have the tools within you to avoid needless conflict i i find that i can't um i have a lot of trouble telling why people are feeling emotion which i i don't know if i've mentioned this on on the podcast but i'm like currently in the process of trying to get diagnosed with autism because i've only i've recently noticed the patterns of like i don't know what anybody's feeling (laughs) Um, and also I like to wear the same pair of pants every day and eat five foods. Anyway, this is a whole other episode, but, um, my point being, when I hear people say stuff like, like, oh yeah, I'm like, I'm an empath and I can always tell what someone is feeling. And my reaction is like, I think I'm an empath and I can only ever tell if someone is feeling, Mm -hmm. are you feeling something strongly? I, and I can tell like, you're feeling a negative emotion strongly. You're feeling a positive emotion strongly. Can I tell you, oh, I think you're in pain or I, you might be angry. If you're mad at me, I don't know that. You have to tell me. And so I like the conversation around emotion frequently can confuses me because I realize how differently people see emotion. Right. In this this great array of emotion when I have like these big color blocks versus like how I see literal color where I see hundreds of shades uh-huh. and other people see big color blocks. Right. It's like the the differences of what I can see variety in and what I can't. Oh, that's so cool though. Mm. That's so cool. Ben, how, how do you feel like your mindset about emotions impacts how you interact with other people? On a baseline level, when I go out into the world each day, my goal is to primarily feel positive emotions, you know? Because um, feeling negative emotions around other people is never a great thing. Um, but what I've come to find is that it's actually quite hard for people to make me feel a negative emotion at any given point. It's, it's mm. much easier for some form of media or art to do that. <laughs> Which I guess, wow. I guess th- instead of releasing emotions around people like the negative ones, I'll just prefer to do it alone. I'm, I'm, I mean, truly at a core, I'm, I'm just a sensitive art boy um, <laughs> that, that just goes into the world and presents himself with an edge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an edgy art boy, but really I just need to cry. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> you, Catharsis is really important. Absolutely. And like, honestly, that's a good thing. That's something I, I do relate to. I used to, or for a while now, I've been trying to shield a lot of emotions, especially around people. Cause hmm. in my mind, it's like, I don't want to bring anyone else down, you know? Hmm. Because I know that that I want to be able to be open and like share that with people, even if it's sad mm. sometimes. My yeah. My favorite yeah. way to do that is whenever I'm very down, I'm just like, let's take all this negative emotion I feel right now <laughs> and put it into something, mm. so whether it be a drawing or uh, like a, a sketch or something I've I've written. I'll just put it out there, and then when that's done. I can take it, I can show it to people because it's out of me now. And I'd be like, I felt this, you know? And they're like, wow, I'm sorry. And I'm like, it's okay. I, I don't feel it anymore. But, it's you know, this is what I felt, you know? it's Yeah. Like, mm. I started a sketchbook just for shits and giggles at the start of college. And now I can kind of look back through it and it's just 
a record of my emotions as I've been growing. Yeah. Wow. That's, That's kind of so how songwriting cool. has been for me. Yeah, I, I actually was inspired by your journal, and I picked one up last year. And oh, like, Thank you. Yeah, no, it's awesome. And not only have my sketches gotten much better, I am actually very proud of them, uh, but I also like journaled in there and have a record of like last year. Oh, wow. I'm so glad I have that. It's a really nice record to have. I think I think yeah. that's important, and I think I know a lot of people suggest journaling, but I think more people should do it. I think we get stuck into like, oh, write down all the thoughts you have, and like I like my therapist this week told me to write down all my intrusive thoughts, and I had to stop doing it mm-hmm. because it would it was making them a little bit too real, and they would become repetitive, and so I had to back away from that. I was like, how else can I acknowledge those feelings? And for me, it's it's almost always through music. Music is is a way that is much easier for me to put my thoughts into something that can remove itself from me versus become repetitive in me so like you were saying right. you, you go oh look at this is this thing that i felt this i have um i wrote probably 20 songs during like the worst part of my mental health that are i mean most of them i, I never want to listen to again but it was able to kind of like <laughs> get it out of me because it was so yeah. i was yeah. so stuck in it um and that's how that's how like painting and, and music is for me and i think everyone has something that can do that for them and it's not mm-hmm. always going to be sit down and write in a journal and, and that's that's a cool point as well. Being able to take good from the bad. Yeah. Being able to find something beautiful in sadness. One thing that we always have to be careful of, though, is that we do not require ourselves to stay in a place of sadness or turmoil because we think that is the only place when we can create good art. Because oh, I, sure. I do find that I have experienced plenty of, of sadness or turmoil in my, in my own life. I may not create at the the amount or frequency that I did when I was doing poorly, but the things that I do create, I am happier with and, and prouder of. Yeah. And I don't think that it's changed the quality of, of what I create, but I, I, f- I frequently found myself getting like backlogged in like, but if I'm not sad, what will I write about? Oh, absolutely. That's like the artist dilemma where it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like you sit there and you think, Oh, I, created this awesome thing when I was in this bad place do I have mm-hmm. to stay there and yeah. my answer to that would be not at all only because yeah. creating when you're in a bad place you're drawing on those negative emotions to mm-hmm. turn it into something good and create with it but what people oftentimes forget is that mm-hmm. there's also a whole spectrum of emotion and you can you can create from every single one of them but I also, I think that the retrospection is a way that we can create art from difficult times without living in them, is, is going is yeah. like saying, like, that that was something that was hard for me, and I can now look back on it and write about growth, I can paint about change, I can uh, mm-hmm. sing a song about how different those moments feel when you look back on them than when you're living in them. Um, and that's, that's a variety of, of art. Same with looking forward. When you guys create art, um, do you find that you tend to lean more towards trying to create a depiction of reality or something more abstract? I have tried to create a depiction of reality before, and I have found it to be far too heavy to hold. And so I lean heavily on metaphor. I have what the, the metaphors that I fall most frequently on our weather and animals mm. i write a lot about like how i it feels like sensorily to be in something um and so like one of the songs that i wrote when i was like in the worst part of my eating disorder is called the wolves and it's about like being attacked by a pack of wolves that are sent to you by someone outside of yourself um and it's 
one of like the, the the songs that I think depicts what I felt like in that place so well of like something that isn't me is attacking me, but it's I can't do much with it. Um, but if I sat down and wrote a song about like the actual physical words of like wanting to be skinny, it would never have that feeling for me, and it would always just be like this facade. Um, and so that, that's why I've leaned so heavily on metaphor and the metaphors that I, I find to be easiest are, are sensory metaphors because that's how I experience the world the most versus emotional. I find that super interesting. I have mm-hmm. sat there and tried to like depict real world things. I'll sit there and mm-hmm. try to like draw or paint a landscape of some sort, but it, I don't love when it does look too realistic. I like putting my own spin on it. Mm-hmm. And also, like you said, a lot of the things I create are in metaphor. So like when I paint, a lot of that can be super abstract, but I just paint what I feel. So if I'm putting something down on the page, the color and the shape that it goes into normally in some way is how I feel. Mm-hmm. I've had a few that look really cool and like have a deeper meaning to them in my mind. And then there's a few that I'll sit there and like just start painting and it really doesn't turn into anything. And you can kind of tell there's no feeling behind it. So I do like to be in an emotionally full like state when I do paint. How does it feel for you, Ben? I, I try to stay in a weird in-between balance. <laughs> um, I don't want anything to be too much like reality because I live in reality every day and I'm tired of seeing it. Hmm. But at the same time, anything too abstract is just... I, I want to make it easy enough for other people to understand. You mm-hmm. know, I have an example, but it might be too depressing. Um, if you're comfortable but, sharing, you know, go for it. Unless, <laughs> unless you're, a, yeah. Oh yeah. So um, I I had done a um, uh, a big just like art sketch, which I don't have anymore. I did burn it <laughs> as part of a cathartic moment. Yeah. It was it was like it was a it was an image of of an arm, oh. with like with like a few cuts in it, mm. um, and then mostly just um, like like pillow cotton just spilling out. Like fluffy. Oh, wow. It's like it's somewhat reality, but it's more of a abstract notion of sometimes you feel like you're just a cotton boy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That see, Does that sound bad? No, 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 no. That's really deep. Or a, be- a better a better way to do I like to phrase it as um a static soup sometimes. Yeah. Oh. Is what you feel like, mm-hmm. you know? Oh my god, that feeling of that I will say is one of my least favorite feelings. Um, like disassociation not even disassociation in fact sometimes i quite enjoy disassociation but <laughs> i do not good talk <laughs> no, I mean, well, not and not sitting there feeling dis- disassociated in a scared way but sometimes during meditation or something i can sit there and like dissociate from myself a little bit and like oh okay that's nice. that's i think that's different from what i'm talking about my like mine yesterday was um standing in my kitchen for 15 minutes unmoving and then laying on my closet floor for just because I was like no move lay on floor and like that to me not enjoyable I really wish I'd done my biology homework instead you know (laughs) (laughs) so like that's what dissociation is like for me absolutely sounds like a couple of my Friday nights but with no (laughs) negativity involved just a complete utter lack of desire to move Mm. yeah and like and see feeling static in the way where you just feel like you're not doing what you could be doing or should be doing. Yeah, that is that is exactly how I felt yesterday. So yeah. you have you have like a negative static. Absolutely. Kind of, my 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 kind of static soup is more of a, a neutral apathetic sort of mm. feeling where mm. um 
where where any emotion like good or bad like once you feel it it kind of has that like almost like dropping uh food coloring into water kind of thing it where like it spikes spreads. and then it's whoo, right. just back to the static like any emotion can't last long in static soup right right and sometimes it's a situation where it's not even into like a cup of water it's trying to drop something into the ocean and oh. change that entirety right. which is yeah. you know impossible uh-huh. so you just uh-huh. gotta ride the tide <laughs> yeah simply just go surfing if we could just drop enough food Bruh. coloring into the Bruh. ocean <laughs> should we do food coloring or should we just take a take a book out of master yoda's book you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. um steal food and tea and coffee throw it into the water when did Master Yoda steal food, tea, and coffee? Do you not remember his first appearance on the oh, screen shit. was him stealing food? You're, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. That crazy, kooky, wise man is a thief at heart, and we can <laughs> never forget it. That's all I want. That's all I want to be said of me at my funeral. Oh my god! <laughs> this man stole so many things from Walmart. <laughs> And he didn't regret one of them. Benjamin, I, w- I want to go back to how you were talking about kind of like the record of emotions. And I was curious if you could go back and give your past self uh, any advice or words of mm. wisdom. Would you? And if so, what would you say? I, I mean, if, if given the opportunity to talk to my past self, I would. I don't think I would say anything particularly helpful. <laughs> um... <laughs> Because I'm not trying to help my past self out too much or else I wouldn't get to learn and become who I am. Mm. I would tell him to buy GameStop stock. Oh, for sure. (laughs) As much as possible. Uh, Hop on Bitcoin while it's still a thing. Emotionally, I think I would just remind myself that my thoughts are not fact Mm. and that time is both a blessing and a curse, you know? Hmm. In, the, in the past i saw it as more of a, a strenuous thing where i'm like ah time moves so weirdly i can stay in these bad emotions for so much longer than possible but you can't stay there forever it's just not feasible so reminding yourself of that is it's kind of nice knowing that it will change yeah if you could tell your future self anything what would you say you know it's funny you mention that because I've already done that. Oh. There's a nifty website that I don't know the name of where you can send emails to yourself. Oh, yes. I've used that. In the future. It's so cool. Um, I got one on my 18th birthday from when I was like a freshman in high school. I'm looking forward to another one when I'm 21 and when I'm 60. Uh, <laughs> that's a big That's a big old gap there, though, I will say. Oh, that's a big old gap. Um, there are absolutely hilarious there's nothing you can tell yourself in the future that you won't look back and laugh on because you can't really tell where you're gonna be Mm -hmm. um i had a very different experience where i wrote myself a letter from when i was 11 and i forgot about it that's much cooler. i read it when i was when i was 16 and i did a big cry do you remember anything that you said were you happier at 11 no and like yes i was like I hope that you figured out how to make people like you. Like, I hope that you are, that people think that it's cool that you're not normal. And like, they didn't. Mm. And they still don't most of the time. I mean, like some people do. Um, But I I remember having that that experience of like, like, we don't grow out of everything. We don't grow out of everything. And 
to have that five-year difference and had grown into so much and to have a lot of of my past still being like i wonder if you're ever gonna like fit in and to be able to look back on it even now 10 years later and go no you're not and that's okay (laughs) that's okay i'm not displeased with that i was about to say that's a really Mm -hmm. nice way to look at it to sit there and be like and like no but that's that's good oh my god if i fit in if i was quote unquote normal the dreaded normal that's so boring that's so boring who wants to be normal do you ever wake up roll out of bed like fall face first into the floor Uh uh and just go like oh thank god i'm not normal (laughs) (laughs) yeah dude i think that everyone is different and there is no normal i think it's a farce i think i think we're getting played oh a hundred percent it's a farce that everyone sits there and buys into and then tries yeah. to be. Some of us just can't quite make it this happen. Thing that doesn't I, am, exist. I am one of those people. Have you, have you ever just looked at a few people though, like, and just known that they were normal people? Like Tom Hanks is, <laughs> is a normal man. I, I have definitely, I've met some people who I have realized have never experienced like the grip of mental health issues um do do i think that like like normal uh, is anything like i i think there are neurotypical people but other people who are like like normal right. like probably not but i i have met people who've been like well yeah i've been sad and i'm like no <laughs> that's not what i mean and so like in that sense yes i've, I've met people that i that i've looked at and been like you really are are normal but i think everyone has a uniqueness in them in some way absolutely and we are going into a time in society where we look at everyone and we're like ah oh, yes this difference is mm. normal. The difference between people is mm-hmm. the normal now. Right. Not like, ah, the similarity is what makes this group of people normal. No, it's the differences that makes everyone yeah. just human. Yeah. I think what has made me feel the most strange in my life is how few people I have met that had very few differences from me. I, I, th- I can think of maybe four or five people I've met who I think can see the world the way I do. Um, and even then, there's still many differences. Yeah. yeah. But but I, I think I meet a lot of people who are like, yeah, I think that person is very similar to me. And I don't, I haven't, ha- I've had that experience a v- very limited number of times. That's interesting. I, I see some people that I think are similar to me. Not, it. Like you say, it's not many that I'm just like, ah, yeah, that's me. But like every time I'm watching a TV show, especially if it's one that I very mm-hmm. much enjoy, I'll sit there and like find different parts of my personality or like attributes that I find within myself in different mm-hmm. characters. Like it's not in any just one specifically, but there's a few that I've like related really to very heavily. Yeah. In fact, it's one of my favorite things to do when I was a kid growing up in theater. Cast lists were a big deal, right? Uh, <laughs> yes. But I would sit there and quote-unquote like cast different like tv shows or characters that i really liked with like me and my friends and like where we would fit in them and i always found that like really Mm -hmm. enjoyable Mm -hmm. um and i guess that's where i get my knack of like trying to label like who i am which granted now i've learned that like you can't do that you can't sit there and label everything that makes up who you are and i wouldn't want to Mm. now um i'd argue that you yourself are probably the least qualified person to define yourself. I mean, you're That's the only fair. person that can see your inner self, mm-hmm. but as a definition of you, what 
you can't define the exterior mm. of you. You can't define your perception. I can do. define my per- my self perception, which is who I am, for the most part. But I don't, I have no idea how you see me. It, exactly. I don't, and we we can't. And know it's how weird that you can us. never really match. Those it is thoughts. very terrifying, mm-hmm. especially because like I have about ten versions of myself depend that are situational. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so there are so many people mm-hmm. who perceive me as like professional and quiet and then people who perceive me like I, I was talking to some friends we're doing a, like a personality assessment for a class and I was I was like how did you perceive me when they when you met me and they're like oh an extrovert and everyone now is like Georgia likes to be alone <laughs> 90% of the time um and it, it shocks me that when people meet me because I have compensated for this fear of being shy by meeting people and being loud that they've been like, oh, she probably loves to be around people. In fact, I cannot stand it. Like, it, it drives me crazy. And so their, their perception is so vastly different from what I am. Oh, I feel that. Cody, all... Cody, what do you think people's first perceptions of you are? I honestly couldn't tell you what they are now. I can tell you what they were a couple of years ago, though. Oh, not, not a couple of years ago. Because when I first ago. got to college, it was, wow. Oh, my God. That was a lot asshole i can't imagine meeting you for the first time now no oh i i have no clue what people's first perceptions of me would be i know that like it's weird i was talking to uh our friend sam heath the other day about this but i feel like i can actually sit there and be like louder my more myself even than i normally am because when i when i'm close to people when i know them i turn into like a chameleon almost i can sit there and Mm change based on who i'm with and like what we're doing and like what they need which is it's interesting you use the term chameleon are you are you picking up are you are you molding yourself to that specific like that specific environment but more so are you molding yourself to the people yeah like to match them Mm -hmm. absolutely and it's something that i've got to work on because it's not something i want to do i want to be able to just be myself as much myself as i can be around everybody Benjamin, I, I turn that question on you. What do you think people perceive when they meet you for the first time? Well, based on where I am now, I've finally overcome a part of myself that says I must change to fit other people. Um, so mm. a lot of people could probably see me as a little bit of a dick um, <laughs> just off the bat. I, I'll No. Well, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> you? I, 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 make, I make a lot of jokes... Um, and say a lot of things just based on what I'm thinking. I've also gotten better at just not speaking if I don't think something <laughs> needs to be said. But I mean, I, I'm not. A lot of people think uh, I, they'll look at me and they'll be like, "Oh, there's the guy that's using humor to cover his deep pain." And I'm like, "No, no, no, no! Like, I'm not using it to cover it up. I'm I'm fully aware of my deep pain, um, and other people are too. Hmm. Uh, I'm just I preferred laughter to." You know, to the deep pain. To the deep pain. Um, Makes sense. I'm also just pretty quiet around new people. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't like talking to new people because I don't know anything about them. I don't know what kind of conflict they could bring. I don't like needless conflict. I I try to avoid conflict with people as much as possible. Valid. Um, and then if other people are in conflict, I sit there going like. I'm so glad I'm not involved in their conflict right now. <laughs> oh, and see, that's where you and I differ the most, is where if I do see someone's conflict, I feel an, 
a need and of course it's not always warranted and not always wanted so i do have to be careful about it yeah. do you guys do the uh enneagram types at all oh <laughs> you oh. talked about that on this <laughs> benjamin you you, you know cody does the enneagram <laughs> types why did you even ask know, that like I you didn't it. know well there's uh. you know just like as if i was in a class um you know i i just enjoy tossing out little bombshells of questions <laughs> that are guaranteed to go somewhere okay 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 all right okay, okay. george i assume you also have done enneagram let's start with you i <laughs> i know all of my personality types i have come to the conclusion however that i think personality types are built for neurotypical people <laughs> and the reason that i have trouble connecting to them is that um i don't really consider life in a binary like I, I i have trouble seeing like oh i do this because i am this because like when, when cody first uh told me about enneagram i looked it up and i and and he was like you do this because you're a this and i got viscerally angry mm. and i was i was like but i didn't always do that i didn't always do that this is from this i i know the the channel that this behavior came from and then he would go like well your enneagram can't change your personality is always your personality and that's when i realized Mine isn't because a lot of me was built by necessity, by reaction. Um, and I'm currently in the process of trying to find my true self. Um, and it's very difficult because I don't think I ever had access to it in my um, like very aware life. Right. And so as, as, far, as far as Enneagram goes, I'm, I'm a four wing three. I'm a something Myers-Briggs that tells me I'm an introvert, which makes sense. <laughs> I'm a Libra, Capricorn, Scorpio, something... Um, but as far as, as who I actually am, most of the people who know me know how hard it is to put me in a list. And, and that's something... <laughs> and then that's all. That's something I very much do need to address. And also, I'm very sorry for making you viscerally angry when I first <laughs> mentioned I'm it. I'm sorry I yelled at you when you called me a two for doing my homework. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was like, I can't hang out. I'm doing my homework. And he's like, such a two. And I was like, You? <laughs> Okay, that was funny. Oh, but I'm, I'm sorry. I will say something that I've had to come to terms with and something that I found in my own life and everyone else's and that was a big thing that I missed when I first got into all of these like personality tests and things was that no single thing, no one thing will ever be able to categorize any person. Now, do you think that you could use a species category to define a person? You know, right off the bat, we can say, ah, yes, that defines all of us, okay. including the furries. <laughs> I just... But you, but you say you can't put people in a, in a box. So, like, if yeah. I'm, if you want to say, like, like, oh, you're like a like a species. Like, yes, I'm I'm human. I, I think that's true. But I've always connected more to animals than people. Right. Where does that put me? Exactly. I I don't think your personality can be put into just one box. I think what at least for me, what those things do is that it does show me a little bit of what I am. And while, yes, it's accurate and I do do those things, it, it doesn't sit there and make up all of who I am. Like fours, I'm a four wing five. We're supposed to be like the saddest type always, like melancholy and always in our heads. <laughs> and while I can have those states for sure, it doesn't make up my entire personality. No. That's interesting. It is an interesting way to look at it. It doesn't, Again, something I've had to find is that it's like, you're not going to find one thing that sits there and tells you everything that you are and all of your answers in life and like what you need to be doing. Nope. Because trust me, I've tried. Uh, I got so scared of just like 
not knowing what to do next sometimes that I'm just like, please give me an answer. And it won't. Mm. It's never going to. It'll just help you understand yourself better so then you can make the choice of what to do next. How do personality types affect you then? Very little. I don't take all too much stock into uh, personality tests. Mm. Um, I think Mm. it's neat. I think it tells me that, yes, there's probably a a group of people out there in the world that think similarly to me. Mm. But just as you said, I look through it and it's not perfect. There's a lot of differences between me and what they say I should be. What do they say you should be? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. I, I don't take too much stock into it, fair so enough, I don't even I don't even really know at this point. <laughs> I remember what yours uh, is. It was a um, I think six wing five. I think my no, my enneagram was a six wing seven. Oh, oh, my bad, my bad. Um, I don't know about any others. I'm a cancer. <laughs> not not that I believe in astrology, really at all you know what's so funny though ben Um, you're one of the very few cancers i've ever met that i really get along with does that mean i'm not really a cancer no no it just does that mean others aren't really cancers no it just means that it probably means if you're if you're if you're going with the assumption that astrology is is real it probably means that your your moon and rising signs Mm -hmm. affect how people perceive you more than just like mine like i Engage with the world more, more like a Capricorn and a Scorpio than like a Libra. Oh, that's then, then, wait, I, didn't, I don't know. Is your Capricorn like, your moon? Bold of you to think I can remember order. <laughs> Fair enough. I I'm a Capricorn moon. That's all. That's all I was gonna say. But whatever. But uh, Ben, you used to do um like tarot readings. Do you find validity in those? Tarot, yes. Oh, please, yeah. yeah. Let's talk about the vali- validity you find in that. Tarot, um, when it comes down to it has a basis in um, random chance, basically. Hmm. And, and and anything random has some sort of, I don't know, truth to it. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Fate, almost? Yeah. yeah. Less, I mean, fate, but more of a, like, I would say it's almost, I, I for me, tarot is almost more of an internal uh, practice than feeling an external source guiding you. Yes, I agree with that, but explain. <laughs> For uh, Whenever I do a reading, I, I tend to do more basic, vague things because no one can specifically predict a future. But it, it's just more of a, like, the, the, the cards you pick and the randomness of it, you are guiding yourself into picking those cards at least just mm-hmm. a little bit, whether or not you know what they are <laughs> or not subconsciously maybe your mind remembers what the backs of all these cards look like the way they're messed (laughs) up or folded or something and that's how you do it but when it comes down to it you look at the cards and i see it as a as a way to guide yourself and less predicting what goes on in the future but more of a way to prepare yourself for multiple possibilities interesting i I found that to be true as well because like i i didn't um you read uh like tarot for me at one point and when you did it i was was like i don't believe in this at all but then those things that i had found from it like from the interpretation ended up being true for my life and the way i interpreted that was when given the option to look more deeply into any part of your life the the correct choice is most likely going to come to the front of your mind Mm -hmm. and so when someone says like you're in a in a period of of you're, you're in a wasteland. This is the moment that you're in a wasteland and you're going to go, oh yeah, because of this thing. Yeah. 
That's what comes to your mind when you hear that. And if that card had in fact been, you're in a joyful time, then you'll go, oh, and this thing is what brings me right. joy. It brings to the front of your mind whatever um, whatever it's meant to. Mm-hmm. That's what that's how like a dream interpretation works for me because I love interpreting dreams. And I think whatever you're supposed to glean from something, if you go, uh, well, does the color blue have any significance to you? And someone goes like, yes, of course, my mother's <laughs> eyes are blue. Like it's what it's what their mind picks up, and it's because your mind holds on to what you need to hold on to. Mm-hmm. That's that's really cool. I I find close to the same. I do think there's something else going on with it. If I'm being completely honest some kind of like spirituality in it only because oh you you know i believe yeah that. i 100 the, the main reason being because when i do ask a specific thing it always like tarot has always come through now when i sit there and try to ask mm-hmm. too much and i'm just like oh but what about this or this or this and i keep going like then it just becomes so much more convoluted because of course it's random but like for whatever reason every time i've really needed a reading and like done it it's always exactly what I need to hear. And Hmm. of course this could also be just like finding the meaning in it. But I I think that's what it helps you do. It doesn't sit there and predict the future, but it does give you your, it lays out your current situation and you can sit there. And like you said, attribute your like different parts of your life to it. But for me, it's always just been so specific that I'm like, there's, there's something here. And whether yeah. it's it's not sitting there telling me what to do, but it is telling me the pros and cons of how I feel and what I'm experiencing and, like, gives me options of how to move forward. Yeah. And, and I mean, not to say I do find some sort of spirituality to Tara talking earlier about positive and negative energy. Right. I do, you know, I burn incense or sage, prepare the space, put on something calming. Mm-hmm. Um because, I mean, you could see tarot as a way of, like, if your head was full of thoughts, like strings of yarn, oftentimes they're all clustered up and hard to, to navigate. But if you get yourself into a calm state of mind and then go through tarot, what that can do is say, hey, have you thought about looking at a couple of these strings and pulling at those for a second? See if that's progress. And mm. oftentimes it is. Mm. That's really cool. It's a, totally. It's, that's really it's awesome. a way to declutter. Yeah. Absolutely. We've yeah. been <laughs> we've been talking for a yeah, hot minute. Yeah, this has been now. A, a wonderful conversation. So we're, <laughs> I, I think we should should wrap it up with our, our final question. Our final wait, wait, wait. Um, can we do the can we do the last big two? I'll take the first, you take the second. Sure. Ben. Yes. In your personal opinion, in your experience of life, what's the meaning of it? What's the meaning of all of this? Life was a happy accident. There's no escaping from the fact that you're here right now. I think looking for a higher universal purpose is a futile and painful struggle. So I find the purpose to life is whatever you want to do. And my purpose to life at this point is whatever's going to give me the most joy. I want to lead a joyful life. Yeah. And I find that art is the most joyful thing I can do, so I'm an artist. That's awesome. That's like, he, he, That's a you're sitting answer. there just like, it doesn't have to be cluttered. It doesn't have to be all of this. It's just like, hey, do what you like to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. And I, and I agree with you. I, I think that joy is is something very pure that is sometimes hard to hang on to. And if we can find moments in life that bring us that and hold on to them, it's, it's worth it. And it's a worthy thing to pursue. Absolutely. Also important to note, 
just for anyone out there, all of those downtimes are not wasted parts of your life. Mm. Agreed. There is no... The, the highest peak of joy that you feel can only be the highest peak when you compare it to the lowest you've been. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Cody and I, in our in our New Year's episode, talked about trying to rest in joy instead of rest in sadness. Mm-hmm. It's like something that I, I frequently like. I search for the joy and then fall back into sadness. But instead of searching for joy, accepting sadness, accepting anger, accepting difficult things, and then coming back to joy and resting in that. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Like like we said earlier, as humans, we get to not a static place, but a good middle ground. No matter the good or bad circumstances, you always come back to that like balanced place at some point. And that yeah, can be definitely. that can be a lot of different things for different people, but you can choose to have that be joy. That is a choice you can yeah. make. It's also impossible to get back to a balanced place if you stay stuck in an emotion that you're currently in. That if, is true. if you refuse to feel a negative emotion then it's going mm-hmm. to be part of you until you have felt it. Mm. Yep. Ooh, that's good. You know, like if you were uh, yep. holding a Snickers bar on your body mm-hmm. um, and it started to, you know, melt away because right. of the sun. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that Snicker bar is there until you eat it, so it's up to you whether you get covered in shit, you know? And Wow. <laughs> yeah. Good analogy. That's, you know, that's a good, that, that's a good analogy. I'll take it. <laughs> All right, we, we, we talked about a lot of things today, and we talked about advice for your future self and advice for your past self, um, but what is the best advice that you've ever received? This is a hard question, and I have been anticipating it, mainly because I don't remember the, a, lot of, a lot of the advice I've received. I just kind of use it, it, use it, move on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that like, the sentiment or what you gained from it is also a worthy answer, even if you don't recall wording. Okay. When I was in high school, I was doing a show. Um, I don't remember the name. I was playing some fat French king. Um, But whatever the reason, the night before, I was just, I I was panicking. I was stressed, you know. Um, And uh, I was talking to my teacher about it. And good advice from there is um, breathe. It's one word, breathe. It's my favorite. It's my favorite advice. Just breathe. No one's saying that you have to do anything, that you have to feel better, that you have to try and fix everything this moment. But what you do have to do is breathe. Because once you stop, that's it. Mm -hmm. That's good, man. That's fantastic. Good advice. Thank you so much for being on the show, dude. It's been delightful. Oh, it was a blast. Yeah, this has been great. Burned my mouth four out of five times on tea. <laughs> hey, not <laughs> that's bad. That's a good record. You know, honestly, that's like, that's four out of five ain't bad, you know? Well, four I... out of five is bad when four out of five <laughs> things were bad. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, that's not a great, that's not a great statistic there. <laughs> All right. Well, this this has been a wonderful episode. Thank you so much for coming on the Absolutely. show and talking with us. Uh, we will see you guys next week. Uh, and until then, burn your mouth on some tea. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye, guys.